Welcome to the More Than Hearers podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Orion. I'm here with the other guy who hosts, Peter. We're on episode... Go ahead. Did I mess you up? I thought you forgot my name for a minute. I almost did. Okay. Um, you ever, you ever like, know someone... We shouldn't admit to this. You ever know someone for a long amount of time? They know your name. They say it every time they see you. And then you just say, hi there. Hey, man. Yeah. No. Yeah. I can't relate. No, it happens. <laughs> okay. We're at, we're at episode 19, Book of Ephesians. Ephesians? Ephesians. How do you, how do you say it? Uh, Ephesians. Okay. Ephesians. 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 Yeah. yeah, that works. Eph- eph- the Book of Ephesians, chapter... Three, Three, episode 19. We are the More Than Hearers podcast. We, we're we going to talk some Bible. We're going to hit all the hard verses, whatever happens to come up. And we're not going to shy away from anything, even if it hurts our own feelings. But we want to put out there, if you're looking for a little bit of dialogue with us, because we know this is a one-way kind of a thing. It's a podcast. You can hit us up, email, face. No, that's different. I'm, I'm getting there. I got ahead of myself. It's podcast at morethanhearers.com. I gave it away earlier. Facebook is another way. Get a hold of us. Facebook.com slash morethanhearers. Hit me up directly. Tell me all the stuff. I'm on Twitter, Instagram. Post me a cool picture of a meme or something. Uh, I'm at Orion Plays Music. Peter is at MTH underscore Peter. Peter, you're with me. I said that you were with me. I think you already said some stuff. I did. I yeah. I kind of messed you up in the beginning because I thought you forgot my name. I can mess myself up. We, just fine. We, Thank we've you. been friends for a time, uh, some amount of time. You played guitar at my wedding. I just learned your name. I, <laughs> I, I'm gonna start wearing a name tag when we record. I played guitar at your wedding. You played guitar at my wedding. That was before we were tight. Yeah, we were. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we right. I was aware that you existed. I was told. Uh, we're playing music at Peter's wedding, Peter and Sharon's wedding. Yeah. That was all. Okay. Yeah, I think that's... But it wasn't like you had asked me or anything like that. No, no, we didn't really know each other. Yeah, now I would be honored to play at your wedding. Yeah, I'm not getting married again. That's good news. Yeah, I'm still same married <laughs> yes. that I was then. Same so. amount of married, same person? Same person, same person. She's a neat lady. Name. If you've ever that's met her, stuff. she's super cool. Anyway, uh, Ephesians chapter 3. <laughs> We're, <laughs> we're halfway through the book of Ephesians. This went way faster than Romans. Romans took like 15 episodes. Uh, Ephesians is not going to take nearly that many. Um, but Ephesians chapter 3, we've, uh, we've gone through 1 and 2. Uh, 2 ended with, um, you know, Paul talks about uh, we're in Christ. We've been reconciled. It's no longer Jew or Gentile. We're all one in Christ um, he's fulfilled and been the fulfillment of the law and done away with the law, and that now Christ and through Christ, God's dwelling is in us. And he opens up chapter 3, and chapter 3, verse 1, is the weirdest thing. And it's so funny because if you were writing the Bible, if you were making this whole thing up, uh, you would not do this. You would have done a better job than this. Your editor, your copy editor would have made would have gone, not this. Uh, this sentence doesn't go anywhere. Um, because it doesn't. So if you've got your Bibles, Ephesians chapter 3, starting in verse 1, Paul says, For this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, 
Verse 2, surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is, the mystery made known to me by revelation, as I have already written briefly. In reading this, then, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to people in other generations, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. So, uh, just so you know, verse one, I think he was going somewhere and he got sidetracked and started to go a different direction because it doesn't connect well. Here's what we know about Paul's writings. Paul didn't write them. I mean, he dictated them, but he didn't write them. And so he's yammering. Uh, yammering's wrong because this is all inspired by God, but he's dictating. And I wonder if verse 1 was like the end of a thought, and then they met back again a little later and started in verse 2. I think it, I think it was either a remnant, like a, a holdover, or it just didn't get caught. I mean, I, I think everyone can relate to this. You've sent out an email. You've gone back and read it after you sent it out and went, oh, my gosh, I have that. I said that. Like I, oh, that's right, because I was starting to say this, and then mid-sentence, I thought of it in a different tense, and I used that word, which makes me look like a total ignoramus. I think it just kind of shows how natural like the letter was in its creation. It was yeah. composed by human beings, and it was put out, and it wasn't processed and formatted for beauty and stuff. It's just, it's just kind of raw. It's there. It's a guy pouring his heart out it's to cool. people he cares about. It, it's so true. I'm, uh, I'm a college student again at over 40 years of age. And I just got done with an English composition class. And in editing essays for this class, I can't tell you how many times I typed the, the. Mm, the, the. The, the. And spell check does not catch this. As long as you spell the right. Word should catch it. Are you using word? Word, yeah, word typically catches word it. Word should catch that. I don't catch it till later. But yeah, I typed the, the many times. Anyway, that being said, uh, so verse one is what it is. So really the thought starts in verse two. It says, he's writing to this church and he says, surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is the mystery made known to me by revelation, as I have already written briefly. In reading this, then you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to people in other generations as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. This is important, but to us it reads weird. Like Paul's got some special dispensation of, dispensation of knowledge that we don't have. Or weirder, like, like what other generation would there have been to understand the mystery of Christ? Well, there wasn't. That's fair. I mean, I, it, you're right. It's a weird thing to say. But you got, you've got to remember that when Paul was writing this, it hadn't been written. Yeah, I know that sounds like really no, obvious. We, address, we addressed that actually. Uh, yeah, a couple a couple episodes back. back, I think. Yeah, there he's writing Bible. There absolutely was something that these early apostles—Peter, James, John, Paul—these guys had that we don't even need to have because we have the Bible. These guys were given revelation inspired by God to write this stuff down uh, for us, and Paul's just affirming it. And he's giving his credentials as an apostle because Paul wasn't one of the original 11 or 12, really, if you count Judas, but he wasn't one of the original 11, but Christ appeared to him on the road to Damascus and revealed himself to him. 
And we know through Paul's writings, uh, Romans we just got done with, we're in Ephesians now, but even his other letters, Paul's got some insight into God and, and breaks some things down that when you read them, you go, that makes perfect sense. I never thought of it on my own, but it makes perfect sense. God's revealed some stuff to him. And that's what he means by the mystery made known to me by revelation. And so in regarding this then, verse 4, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to people in other generations. It couldn't have been made known because Christ hadn't come. But when once Christ came and lived and was crucified and resurrected, all of the sudden, thousands of years of prophecies, guys like Isaiah, even David in the Psalms and some of these other things, it was a revelation of that's what the prophet was talking about. So while the previous generations had these prophecies, they didn't have the revelation of what the prophecies meant. Mm, that's fair. I have a rant like about that. that that I don't know if this is the place for, but uh, maybe. Uh, speaking to that idea of they had the prophecies but not the revelation of them. It cracks me up sometimes when people go, speaking of Revelation, uh, have you read the book? Well, I have. Well, do you understand all 21 or 22 chapters? I can't remember now how many there are. I've figured it all out. I know exactly what it means. And it's like, mm, I don't know that you know exactly what it means. Going to go with probably not. I, I think we should dig into it and try to understand it so that when it comes, we see it happening. I don't even know if we should try to understand it. I think we should try to commit it to our to our knowledge so that it's a point of reference i don't know that trying to understand it will necessarily yield anything theologically fruitful i don't know if that's fair yeah, there's I, no necessary salvation miss you know missing link there you're right you know what i mean that's fair and i'm not saying don't read revelation i am saying be careful about how you read Revelation. And be careful what hills in relation to Revelation, that's a lot of words, that you choose to fight and die on. Right. There are a lot of things Isaiah wrote down. The virgin shall be with child. Wait, what? I'm sorry. That doesn't make any sense to me. Um, that now we go, oh, it's, there it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and because we're on the other side of it. And until we're on the other side of Revelation... Uh, time-wise, I don't know that we'll have a full understanding. And maybe we are on the other side of it. No, there's that whole <laughs> school of thought as well. Am I right? So this is why it's important to to read it sure, so that you can see it. Yeah, I don't think it's important to settle on anything no. about it in particular. So, okay, there we go. Ready? Go. I am. Okay, here we go. <laughs> verse, uh, verse 6. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise in Christ Jesus. What does that mean? What does it mean that now Gentiles are heirs together with Israel? Heirs of the promise. The promise given to Abraham. I'm going to make your descendants outnumber the stars in the sky. I will be your God and you will be my people. We now, as Gentiles, having come into the fullness of the knowledge of God through Christ, have access to that same inheritance. There we go. Uh, Verse 7, Paul says, I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. I don't know that 
anybody could say that as definitively as Paul could. Paul definitely, I think, had an understanding of God's grace because prior to the knowledge of Christ, he was a Christian murderer. Not a Christian who murders, right. but a murderer of Christians. Christian dash murderer. Yes. Not it. Yeah. Murderer of Not Christians. comma. Or, yes. Or, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Um, uh, he, um, and God appeared to him. God could have very easily just struck him down. Yep. Done with you. You're not on my team. Bye. But instead, God chose to reveal himself. That reveal. Yeah. Revelation. Uh-huh. Right? That's what that's about. Yeah. Not just once. No. Like at least two significant revelations that Paul re- Paul received. Uh, once on the road to Damascus, another when he was caught up to third heaven. Right. Am I right there? Yeah. Uh, where he received knowledge about heavenly things that arguably nobody else knows or or will know until it happens you know that yeah. he had a something some special revealing there yeah um so yeah he gets to say a little bit of, yeah. about <laughs> servant of the gospel by the gift of god's grace given me through the working of his power what does that mean the power of god to appear to him on the road to damascus and call him out strike him blind for a time uh verse eight Although I am, <laughs> I am less than the least of all of the Lord's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ. Boundless riches of Christ, sorry. And to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, for which, age, which for ages past was kept hidden in God, who created all things. His intent was that now, through the church, The manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. Man, what a promise for us. First of all, that Christ would come and through that we'd get access as Gentiles to God. That we get access to the boundless riches of Christ that Paul preached. And that God's going to make plain to everyone how this whole mystery works. That I'm, I'm mid-verse 9, by the way. Um, which was kept hidden in God, who created all things. And then this verse 10, I love it. His intent was that now, through the church, that's me, that's you, that's us, the church. If you are a participant in Christ and you have fellowship at all, you are the church the ecclesia, the, the, the called out ones. We are the church, not the building you attend, but you. you are, we are the church. And his intent was that now, through the church, through us, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. It's through you that God's going to reveal his wisdom. It's through you that God's going to reveal his, church, his truth. That's purpose if I ever heard it. Do you want to know why you're here? Do you want to know why God made you? Do you want to know why God put you on this earth? Ephesians 3 verse 10. That's why. His intent was that now through the church, through you, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. 
according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. Verse 12. Can I take it back for a moment? Yeah, Can I just please. Do a little, an, in, an in interjection here. Yeah, go ahead. I got an anecdote type of thing. <clears throat> Might be just a classic example of me oversharing, but... Uh, they're my favorite. In so. reference to verse 8, Paul, who we just acknowledged, had received direct revelation from God at least twice and is writing much of the New Testament scriptures. Right. says in verse 8, Although I am less than the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given to me uh, to, preach the Gentile, to, to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ. I want to focus on this notion of him being less than the least of all the Lord's people. Yes, it's mathematically impossible. It's an attitude, right? Sure. A while back, some years, <clears throat> there was some stuff, uh, there were some laws on the um, the ballot, and uh, there was a big push for uh, gay rights. I believe it was the Marriage, uh, Freedom of Marriage Act or something like that, it was called. And there was a lot of people making this push and on Facebook and other social media, and the symbol for this was the equals symbol. Okay. You remember this? Everyone yeah, changed the their icon yeah. Yeah, to the equal sign for for equal. Every, they're saying, you're equal, I'm equal, everyone equal. And the attitude that the scriptures say for us to have is not to, not to act, not to behave as if you are equal, but to put others before yourself in another scripture. And in this one, he, where Paul who's received direct revelation from God at least twice, says he considers himself less than the least of all of the Lord's people. That means he considers himself less than the least. Okay, if I'm, because I consider myself at least in the least. <laughs> like, it, I'm at, right. I'm at, I'm, I'm, I'm not. Bottom 10%, I'm, bottom 5%, whatever. Bottom third at tops. Yeah. You know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, I don't know. What, I don't know how far down I am, but I know I'm in the lower section, and that's how I feel. Okay. But then he's going, yeah, less than Orion. Yeah. It's an attitude thing where where pride is not even part of the equation. And you see that in Paul's writings. I, I was looking up while you were talking. First uh, Timothy one fifteen. Uh, this is a trustworthy saying. Uh, Christ came to save sinners, Paul says, of whom I am the worst. And I used to joke, the only reason why Paul wrote that when he did is because I hadn't been born yet. Mm. Um, it's He had a perspective that I think um, we need to be aware of where it comes from and then try and find where we can apply it to our lives. Not a false humility. No. Not a, oh, yeah, I'm not that great. Like, No. Christ is so much more amazing than I am. God is so much more amazing than me. And in comparison to that, I am less than the least, which means I'm right where I need to be for him to work through me and in me and show himself through me. You know, um, Paul knew who he was, meaning past tense before this point, where he writes Ephesians. He knew who he used to be. And that gave him an amazing perspective on where he was. He never walked around like, oh, poor me, I killed Christians and hopefully God will love me. Like He understood what grace was, that he was saved from something, but also that he was saved for something. And in that comes, not pride, I don't know what the right word is, confidence? Yeah, I was thinking, of, yeah, yeah, probably. Yeah, 
a confidence of because Christ lives in me, I am worth something. Um, but that's where my worth comes from, not in anything I am or I've done. You mentioned finding what the application for this is. Okay. And I think, um, again, to throw some more scripture out there that, uh, you know, the greatest, uh, the greatest are those who serve. Yeah. So Paul in his, in his, not a false humility again, but in his attitude here of considering himself less than the least, he's putting himself at the bottom so that he can serve everyone else in Romans, now I'm going to be citing Romans. The Romans guy? Yeah. He he even made mention of that he would give up his salvation if his Jewish brothers and sisters could come to know Christ. That's how passionate he was to serve others and to consider others as uh, before himself. Yeah. And And so if there's an application in there, I challenge you to try to be the same. I mean, yeah. I challenge myself, you know. Challenge me. Yeah, for sure. I, if, you, if you see me walking differently, you, you heard me say this, like that's that's where I need to be. I, and I'm daily guilty of not considering others before myself. Same. I, uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, it's funny talking about this because instead of quoting Romans, Acts seems to be coming out of my mouth a lot lately. And I've shared before, I'm elsewhere I'm teaching a study through Acts. Um, it's not recorded. It's it's live in person. But um, there's this passage in Acts. Peter and John get arrested for the second or third time for preaching the gospel in the temple. And uh, before they're released, they get whipped a few times. And they send them on their way and go, oh, don't, don't talk about this Jesus character anymore. And they're like, <laughs> not going to listen to that. And then they go back to their friends and they throw a huge party, rejoicing that they were worthy to be beaten for the cause of Christ. Wow. That somebody thought they were Christian enough to be worthy of getting beaten over it. What? I don't... Uh, uh, it's not there. That's an amazing thing. And, and you're going to see as we go to the next couple of verses that that's kind of the perspective Paul's coming from too. Verse 12. In him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are your glory. Paul's writing this from uh, jail. <laughs> Paul spent a lot of time in jail. He probably spent as much time locked up for the gospel as he did out presenting the gospel. And you know, it's funny that we were trying to find the right words and yeah. I, I stumbled into confidence and then we read the next verse and the word confidence is right there. Apparently but was the right word. I guess so. In him, through faith in him, and in him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. That's how we can even pray to God at all. Do you understand that before Christ, the average Jew had no access to talk to God? They'd, uh, to even sacrifice to God, they had to go to a priest and give the priest uh, what they needed. Or, uh, you know, even David got words from God through prophets and that sort of thing. Now through Christ, any of us, all of us can approach the throne of God boldly. And it says here with freedom and confidence to go, hey, God, it's me, dirty sinner guy, but that, that Jesus guy sitting in your right hand there. Uh, because of him, I get to ask you for this stuff. And that's why we close our prayers with, in Jesus' name, 
It's the authority through which we have any access at all. Super cool stuff. Uh, Verse 14. He says, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I've never, I've never seen that sentence. <laughs> it says, what? it says every family mm-hmm. in heaven and on earth. And my mind is just like, I'm just tripping right now. I'm on such a trip. There's, <laughs> it's not going to make a podcast out of it. There's a theological viewpoint that when you die, you do not go to heaven until the end collection where everyone goes together. And you instead go into soul sleep. This is called. one of the terms that's used. Yes. Yeah. Uh, uh, if you will. Yeah. Soul yeah. sleep. And I don't believe in soul sleep. I believe uh, in the verse that says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And I think that that doesn't mean anything fishy or scandalous that well not right away but you know eventually i think it actually just means that but this is just jumped right off the page or right off the screen more literally for this reason i kneel before the father from whom every family in heaven why is that in there <laughs> I don't know. unless i mean that's just that is hope that i don't when i die lay dormant for some unknown amount of time and then get to go be with the Father, but that I get to go right to the Father. That Again, this is something that we should be rejoicing over. That's a blessing. To, to be unconscious for eons, however long that might be, <laughs> I, how, is that, how is that great? I mean, I mean, cool, eventually you get to be with God, but to go right to be with him, that's, that's exciting stuff. I don't know. Sometimes I just wonder why people get us, why people think what they do, especially when the Bible seems to be <laughs> so clear about stuff. Anyway. I totally agree. I know that caught me more than most people probably just not even have an issue with that, but I overshare. And you know what's so funny? I'm because, Orion and I overshare. <laughs> it's my favorite thing about you. Honestly. That's why I'm here. Yeah, it's 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 why you're here. But uh, the thing that I thought you were going to go into is: Does this mean that families exist in heaven? I think I want to say that. Well, okay, so theologically, we know that we're not married in heaven. Nor are we given in marriage. Right, but I think we're going to know each other. Sure. I think, I think we're going to know each other in better terms than we ever, we ever get to here. I think we're going to be more honest. I think we're going to be more open. Uh, I, th- I think it's going to be beautiful, and I think because we knew each other here, we're going to remember each other from, I think, I, this is just me speculating, but I think, why not? Why, why wouldn't you want to be with your family in heaven? Yeah. This is going to sound patronizing, and I apologize if it is. I don't mean it to, but um, I think the answer is in the verse before. Paul says, for this reason, I kneel before the Father. I think if I call the same person Father that you call Father, wouldn't that, if we have the same Father? You and I would be brothers, if I'm doing the math correctly. Family? Family would be a more generic. Yeah, I think it's... I, I know that that's what it's... Yeah, says. I know. Yeah. I, as I said, it's going to sound a little patronizing, but I think it's worth saying because yeah, it is. sometimes we look at this stuff and we overthink it, right? And we go, wait a minute, are we still going to be... Uh, my wife's going to be my wife and my kids are going to be my kids and my parents are going to be my parents in heaven? It's like, well, no, this we're all part of the family. By your God. reasoning, he would just say, from whom the family. Right. So yeah. I think my 
my example is also valid. I think I totally agree. So uh, verse 16, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. I, wow. I love this. And, and I even hate to say that I love this because it sounds like I'm trying to be punny and I'm not. I shared in episode 16, which was just Orion and I kind of sharing our stories, that the moment my faith turned was when I had a realization that God loved me which sounds ridiculous even as I say it again because we all know that God loves us. But for me, it was the first time I'd, it hit me personally. But this is just a reinforcement of the revelation for me that came out of that, of this whole book from Genesis to Revelation is this massive love story of how enamored with us God is. And Paul just knocks it out of the park. He says, I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide, how long, high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, which means if you try and figure out how big this love is, you're never going to get there because it surpasses knowledge. But man, I don't want you to throw up your hands and go, well, if I can't understand it, I'm not going to try. Oh, try. Try, because that's the power of God. To understand that all of this, from the fall till the moment you're sitting here listening to this episode, is all about God's overwhelming love for you. I'm going to emphasize that in my weird way. Please. Paul says in in verse 18, and you just read it. I'm going to read it again uh, about... uh, Okay, and I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people. That's all of us together. Yep. To grasp. Okay, he wants us to grasp how, count these, wide, one, long, two, high, three, and deep, four, is the love of Christ. Uh-huh. How many dimensions are there? Three. He named four things. Uh, he did. Now, the first three here... This is the way, the weird way I think. He named three things: width, uh-huh. length, uh-huh. and height. Uh-huh. That's three dimensions. But then he says deep. Uh-huh. Now deep can often be taken to mean height if you're thinking of gravity. Yeah, you know that gravity pulling things down. Uh, height being a vertical dimension, deep would normally would just if you're talking Minus about pool. Height. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it would be equivalent. Yeah, but in this case, that fourth thing there, I'm gonna just say that that's richness. I'm okay with it. So I, density, okay. So sure. like, so if we got length, width, and height, if you think, and I'm just relating this to physics and the laws of physics, because this is a, this is an analogy of sorts. But if we think about volume, you can fill. Uh, an area or a, a volume, a space, with something that takes up the space, like a balloon takes up space, but it doesn't really have much impact to it. 
Right. You, you blow, blow a balloon up with air and hit someone over the head with it. It makes a funny sound. Yeah. And uh, might make their hair stand up. It doesn't have much impact, but you could fill it with... Cement. Yeah, it would be... Deadly, <laughs> probably. <laughs> yeah, don't... <laughs> don't do that. Yeah. I'm no, sorry I gave the suggestions. Yeah. No. But I'm just thinking of these three dimensions, and then you add in richness or density, and that that's what he wants you to grasp that much love. Um, and that he wants us to do it together as well. I love it. Yeah. I yeah. love that this is here. That's so great. It, it's a reinforcement of coming together as a body of believers on a regular basis. It, it doesn't have to be Sunday at 11 o'clock or 8.30 if you're an early riser and you get an early service at your church. That's great too. But for us to continue to fellowship together, I, I get together with Orion at least usually once a week to do this. This is what he's talking about, to press in, to figure it out. And he ends verse 19 with, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. That's a lot. And I think that takes a lifetime. I don't know that it's even complete in the lifetime. But that we'd be constantly being filled with God. Last couple of verses, we're going to wrap up the chapter. He says, now, to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is in work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. I hate to be a Debbie Downer, but here it goes. I'm sorry if your name's Debbie and it hurt your feelings, not on purpose. Um, people want to go, oh, God's able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine. I'll just ask him, he'll do it. It's more, he'll do more than you could ask or imagine. And they leave out this part that says, according to his power that is work within us. All that we ask or imagine for our own selfish gain, we can't expect God to do all of that and more. It's according to his power. It's according to his will, his plan. It's the closer we get to God, I think, uh, I know, the closer we get to God, the more our wants and desires and motivations are going to line up with what he wants for our lives as he reveals himself to us. And as, back to the previous verses, we understand his love for us. I think it drives our faith. I think it's the driving force uh, to our faith. So I just want to clarify that. Uh, it's a weird place to end with. Um, can, uh, no, yeah, do it. Can, can we ask? Absolutely. <laughs> Why? I feel so. I feel no, so I inadequate. No, I don't think. Is it okay to ask? Should we ask for the lottery numbers? Is that okay to ask? Anything's okay to ask. Okay. I don't know. Um, I, I I feel I feel funny challenging because because the first thing that popped into my head was like we should be emboldened to ask. Sure. For. for you, you have not right? because you ask not. Right. But then when you, so you headed that off of the past and like you totally like called me out before I even opened my mouth. <laughs> but, and then I'm like, well, dang, he's right. And, and you're absolutely right. Like you talk about the closer we get to God, the more our desires will look like his. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't mean to, but like, as in contrarily, um, it's, you know, he he wants to give us things. He does give us things. Absolutely. He gives us things that are that are for our enjoyment. Yeah, there's a Bible verse about that. Uh, he I gives. Can't think of it right now, he, but it's, it's in, there. It's in Timothy, First uh, Timothy. He gives us 
everything for our good pleasure. Yeah. Like he wants us to be happy. Yeah. There's not there is not a god that we serve that wants us to uh, begrudgingly put up with him. Like he wants to lavish his love on us and he does. And sometimes we have a hard time seeing that. But I think in, that we shouldn't be shy in, in asking and and maybe we ask for the wrong stuff, all right? Maybe maybe we ask for the winning lottery number tickets. Maybe God interprets that request and goes, I think I know what you mean. But, yeah. But I think we should, it, hey, if you're asking, at least you're talking to him, I guess. I, and <laughs> here we go, back to Romans, uh, that sometimes we don't even know what to ask for. Mm-hmm. The Spirit intercedes on our behalf uh, with words that we can't utter. Um, I think you're absolutely right that a lot of times that, hey, God, I really want a new car. God goes, no, what you really want is this. More prayer time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> on the side of the road with the hood up waiting for a tow truck. Um, no, I'm just... <laughs> yeah, they, yeah. Just kidding. He's got you covered. He, and the hardest thing for me still after, I don't know how many years of walking with God now, the hardest thing for me to remember in the moment is that God always has my best interest in mind. A lot of times it does not feel that way, but that's because what I'm interested in is not in my best interest. And God always has my best interest in mind and is going to get me to that point through the route that is most effective to his plan, not always to the way I want to get there or to the place that I want to go to. And that's hard. I know it to be true intellectually. I don't live it very well a lot. <laughs> I wanted to say sometimes, but I don't want to lie. Uh, I really, it's a struggle. It's an absolute daily, sometimes moment by moment struggle to go, God has my best interest in mind in the midst of this thing that makes no sense to me and feels hurtful and unfair and all of those other things. And if that's true for me, listener, guess what? It's true for you. God has your best interest in mind. He's working out a plan in you and through you and for you, all motivated out of what we've been talking about in chapter 3, his love for you. It's four-dimensional. It's amazing. Speaking of four, come back next time for Ephesians chapter four.